And this is the last in our study of the Lord's Prayer. And there's one piece of unfinished business from last week that we did not adequately cover. Last week we were on the petition of forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I forgot to mention the first Sunday we mentioned that the Lord's Prayer, signified by this little green box, only 66 words, there's a couple of verses that introduce it where Jesus said, you know, don't just be like the, uh, the heathen and, you know, just think that just because you're repeating something that people are going to, you know, that the Lord's going to pay attention. And then what we forgot last week was, unlike any of these other petitions, you know, thy will be done, Lord, please feed me, hear me when I ask for forgiveness, and today we'll talk about temptation. But this is the only petition about our forgiveness that is punctuated by two verses at the end. Garland, do you have your, your Bible open to Matthew chapter 6? Could you read uh, verses uh, 14 and 15? Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer proper ends at the end of 13. For, you know, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. And then Jesus says these two additional things in verses 14 and 15. That should be an alarming wake-up call. Uh, and, you know, we tend to take things for granted because we're saved and we know the blood of Jesus Christ washes all of our sins away. But we forget, as Christians, we are going to be held accountable. You know, where more is given, more is required. And we've been given all this grace and mercy, and, and therefore the Lord requires more from us. And... Uh, why the Lord would choose to punctuate that? Well, it's probably because he knows we need to hear it. Because it's so easy to hold a grudge and to hang on to something. And uh, so right after he gives us this formal outline, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I, I'm just going to repeat this for this last time. Just because we're hopping and skipping and jumping over these high points without spending any time down here to meditate on our Father in heaven and hallowed be thy name, this one should really take some time. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then we have our three personal needs that the Lord would feed us. Lord, for the daily bread that we need. And it's not only bread, but it's supernatural bread. And we want the Lord to hear us when we ask for forgiveness. And today we'll be talking about not being led into temptation. So it's these three things. And then feed us, heed us, and lead us. And then we have this little P.S. at the end. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So, before we go any further, we should pray about this prayer because we want it to be prayed in. So, would you please pray with me? Father, Lord, please give us ears to hear and give us an understanding, teachable heart that we would take seriously, Master, these things that you have so adequately laid out for us that we could pray with the divine direction that you've given us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we will be open to the leading of your Spirit and have ears to hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this last line here, lead me not into temptation. Maybe some of you have heard over the last uh, week or so that the Pope has uh, uh, got a problem with this line. <laughs> you know, Popes throughout history have uh, taken unusual, arrogant liberty 
to critique things in Scripture. I, I, you know, I, I, I just have to wonder, man, who do you think you are? Well, well, we know who they think they are, but they're really not. They don't take the place of the Lord Jesus Christ, except for in the hierarchy of uh, Romanism and their ecclesiastical uh, layout the way it is. But the Pope, this, this new guy, has been saying that, uh, you know, we don't like the way this sounds. Lead us not into temptation. It sounds almost like the Lord is leading us into temptation, and, and God doesn't do that. So, uh, Actually, I think that he has access to all kinds of scholarship and the Greek manuscripts, and he could read, and he should know that there's a lot of different ways that an English translation can be rephrased and still contain the essence of the uh, prayer that the Lord gives us. And to give us the best possible uh, translation, I found uh, John Calvin in his commentary. He says it like this, that... We may not be led into temptation, deliver us from evil. That's a really brilliant way of restating this prayer request. Duh. I mean, you know, John Calvin, brilliant. I mean, we, we shouldn't have to repeat that. And just so that you get this, I wrote it up here, that we may not be led into temptation, deliver us from evil. Or, uh, because of the, uh, the construction of the Greek, you could say, or the evil one, and that was something that Chrysostom said. I'm glad that Dr. Moore is here because I'm sure that he is in contact with the Pope very often, probably has him on speed dial, and therefore, uh, the next time you hear the Pope complaining about the Lord's Prayer, why don't you just ring him up and tell him the way John Calvin translated it. I'm sure the Pope will be very open to the Reformer's brilliant exegesis and analysis of this prayer request, even though he's a Pope, but I knew that you had him on speed dial. So, we have, this, we have this great deliverance of daily temptation available to us all the time, and all we have to do is ask for it. And what I'm going to submit to you this morning for your consideration is that uh, why would we ever not want to use this? And the reason is because we do what we want to do. And even though we may come to church and pray this week after week, sometimes you might even pray it more than once a week, just because you're saying it doesn't necessarily mean you're praying it. But it is, I have found, and I'm just going to give you this little personal testimony, when I'm assaulted by temptations like everybody else is. This is one of those prayer requests out of the prayer you can pull out individually at any time. In other words, you don't have to stop and you know, redo the whole prayer, but you could just say, Lord, please help me with this temptation. And I can guarantee you, when you pray like that, the Lord will help you with your temptation. There's no reason that we have to give in to anything unless we want to. And that's why people do what they do, because they want to. And it's a difficult thing for us to admit. So uh, we have this deliverance from temptation available all the time. And uh, one of the big problems is you may not want to ask for it. You just may want to ignore this line in this prayer because you want to do what you want to do. And if that's the case, well, that's between you and the Lord. I would not recommend that. I think that's a, it's a, a, a formula for disaster. You know, the fact of our not asking for daily help in this regard reveals the depth and the depravity of the human heart, as was eloquently explained by Ron Skates, when he was going through the tulip a couple of weeks ago, uh, 
we all are totally depraved. And that depraved nature is still inside of us, so much so that the devil really doesn't have to come and bring any outer stimulus. He just uses what's already inside of us. <laughs> the problem is you. <laughs> Here's a real Joel Osteen up with people message. It's you. You're the problem. <laughs> people say, why do I feel so horrible and guilty? Because you are guilty. It's a gift of God that we feel guilt and that horrible conviction and that horrible, uneasy feeling. It's a gift of God. It's a big problem when people don't feel that. I mean, the next thing you know, they're like Jeffrey Dahmer. They're cutting up people, putting them in their freezer. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's a good thing for us to have that check, that inner check all the time that the Lord is with us and he's saying, you're my child and you don't need to be acting like that and you don't have to act like that. So I was thinking of uh, uh, an honorary degree that uh, they used to give. I don't know, uh, Dr. Moore, maybe you know. Do they still give DDs, Doctor of Divinities, which is an honorary degree? Yeah, and uh, you know it's 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 not a, a an earned degree, but it's 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 honorary. Uh, I I remember people making fun of that when I was in seminary, and they'd say, "Yeah, that DD that means it didn't do it." <laughs> so because it's, it, it's an honorary degree. But uh, for this class, I was just going to suggest that uh, we all have a DD in that we're desperately depraved. So uh, if you want to impress people, just sign your name and put DD after it. They say, oh, you have an honorary degree. Yes, I'm desperately depraved, but at least I know it. And you know, by our acknowledging our own depravity, at least we stay in the realm of, Lord, I always need your help. And there's nothing wrong with always appealing to the Lord for help. We know that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were, and he remained victorious. And we know that how he became uh, the overcomer that he was, what he, he, he quoted scripture. You know, every time we're tempted or we feel like we're being assaulted by the evil one, if you start to meditate and change your thinking and you actively ask for help, you don't have to pray the whole prayer, but you could just say, Lord, let me not be led into temptation or that I may not be led into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I can almost guarantee, I, I don't, not almost, I can guarantee you that temptation will leave you. It'll be back at some other time, very soon, in another way, shape, or form. But that thing will leave you as soon as you cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, help me. That's all you have to do. And there's all kinds of ways, that, uh, creative ways, that we could uh, ask the Lord to be with us and help us to be overcomers. Now, aside from praying this line... Uh, we in a church like this, a Bible church where you, I mean, we hear enough gospel every Sunday to save communist China. We really do. I mean, we hear it in the preamble. We hear it in the traditional service, in the contemporary service. You hear it in Sunday school. Uh, we're always, we're, we're bombarded with all these scriptures and they will not help you unless you use them. So you can say, yeah, I know it's there, but uh, there's something about saying, Lord, let me internalize this verse. Let me live according to what this says. For instance, in Colossians chapter 3, a very uh, insightful passage, the first five verses, where it says, Since ye have been risen with Christ, set your mind on things which are above. Here's a deliverance from temptation right there. What are you thinking about? What are you feeding on? These are the type of things which cause us to be defeated. I was impressed. Sishan and I got to visit a prison in Hondo a couple of days ago, and uh, I was really impressed. We were introduced, and he was interviewing. It's kind of like you were critiquing them. He's, he's really a big shot. I mean, man, he rolled out the red carpet. I've been in prisons before, 
And, uh, you know, even though I was going in as, in a, at a ministerial capacity, I was never treated like I was when I went with him. I mean, it's like, whoa, it was, uh, it was very, very impressive. I mean, you know, as a minister, I thought there was going to be a cavity circ with me going in there. That's how, you know, you know, they just treat you like anybody else. And, and maybe even worse, because we were involved with the ministry. But these guys that uh, Sean was interviewing, they're five guys that have a Bible school education paid for by the state of Texas. I was thrilled to hear that, that there's a Bible school, and these prisoners have a four-year degree. And as he was going through and asking them what their favorite Bible verse was, I was really uh, impressed with the depth of the literature that they were familiar with and the depth of the verses that they were sharing. And one of the guys mentioned this passage right here, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Since ye have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And this is one of the easiest ways that we can overcome that horrible, nagging temptation that just chips away at us all the time. Set your mind on things above. And it's a... Uh, a great, a great escape methodology. So, uh, you know, in this world that we're living in, and you know that this is true, it's almost as if we're, we're following a fertilizer spreader. Do we have any country folks here that know what a fertilizer spreader is? I mean, morally and culturally and in our society, we're hit with all kinds of manure all day long. I mean, you can't drive down the road without seeing a billboard with some suggestion. You can't turn on the TV, even stuff on the radio. We're constantly bombarded with all of this. And, you know, sometimes we might feel like we need a shower. You know, we need to be spiritually hosed off just after being out there. We come to a place like this. This is like an oasis, a church like this. You know, we can let our guards down. You know, we know people are going to be acting Christ-like. And it's a, just a great and a, a, a glorious atmosphere to be in. But it only lasts for an hour or so, and then we're back out there behind the fertilizer spreader, and it doesn't take long before we feel like we're constantly hit with all this uh, spiritual and cultural manure, and uh, it's constantly against us. These are the things that are constantly uh, feeding the wrong side of our nature. So if you really want this part of this prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation, you have to be conscious about what you're feeding on. What, what type of things do you willfully take in? Uh, you know, it used to be 30, 40 years ago, if you wanted to see a filthy movie, you had to go to a, to a, a, a dumpy little, you know, uh, theater on, on the wrong side of town. Now, man, you can pull it up on your phone or certainly on TV, at cable. It's right there all the time on your computer. You know, it's, it's, it's so available to us all the time, and we're the ones who make the decision what we're going to feed on. There's a little uh, couplet that will help you to remember uh, this constant struggle that we all go through every day. There's two natures that struggle within my breast. One is cursed, and the other is blessed. One I love, and the other I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. Two natures that struggle within my breast. One is cursed and the other is blessed. One I love and the other I hate, but the one I feed will dominate.
you know, there was a, an illustration years ago about a guy who uh, was, was a, uh, and I know this is a horrible thing, I even hate to mention it, but there are people that fight dogs. You know, they have dogs and they put them in a ring, and it, you know, just a horrible thing. I'm a dog lover, I'm a cat lover. I love all of God's little creatures, and, and I just hate to see dogs fighting. I can't stand to see them if they're even out in traffic. It, it, it just freaks me out. I'm overly sensitive about that. But this one guy, and, and this is how the illustration goes, this one guy had this one dog that he would feed all the time, and the other one he didn't. And someone said, how come you're feeding that one, but you're not this one? He said, that's the one that I want to win in the fight. And it's a, a simple, grotesque illustration. But that's exactly what happens to us. We willfully, willingly feed ourselves on the wrong thing. And then we say, how, how come I always feel like I'm always being molested by the devil? Well, well what are you feeding on? Quit feeding on it. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that passage in, in Colossians chapter 3, it says mortify. That old King James word, mortify. It means put to death. Well, how do you, how do you put a temptation to death? I'm going to tell you how you put it to death. You starve it to death. You don't feed it anymore. You say, you know, man, whenever I listen to this music or I watch this TV show, uh, I've never seen the TV show Desperate Housewives, but I heard that there was a show. <laughs> I didn't need this. I think I have one of my own. I, you know, my, my own wife is uh, not desperate in a bad way, but, you know, every marriage has a situation. I didn't need to go borrow one from anybody else's Desperate Housewives. I mean, my own wife is desperate to get me to act like I ought to be acting. So, uh, but it's those type of TV shows that people willingly invite into their living room and then they feed on the wrong thing. And, and you're feeding on airbrushed, you know, people that are not really like real people. They're not like the rest of us. Everything in their life is, uh, you know, they have makeup artists and everything else, and they have personal trainers, and they have the, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, seductive type of wardrobes, all intended to get you to think on the wrong things. So what do you do? You quit feeding on it. You starve it out. If you starve it out. And what do they expect when they grow up and they start producing what they've been fed on. That's a very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. So uh, none of us can stop temptations. I mean, temptations are a part of life. Someone said temptations are like birds flying over your head. You can't stop those birds from just flying over your head, but you can stop them from making nests in your hair. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did that make sense? Birds fly over. You say, where did that thought come from? Oh, you know, we feel so horrible that this filthy, horrible thought came in our mind. Well, you don't have to dwell on that. Just let it fly over your head. But if it gets in your hair and starts making a nest in your hair, well, you need to do something about that, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's just common sense. Jesus told his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. This was in Luke chapter 22 verse 40, and this is as Jesus was on his way to the cross. Uh, this is an everyday thing. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. So, saying this prayer, quoting this topical index as we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you, this is not enough to keep you from that hour of temptation. You know, I've been coming to this church for two years. I love it. I love quoting the Lord's Prayer as often and I usually go to both services. I'll go to the traditional service at 9, I'll come to Sunday school, then I'll go to the contemporary service. I just like church. I'm a church freak. 
You know, if you're going to be freaky about something, you might as well be freaky about things of the Lord. I, I, I love it. I love the traditional worship. I love to hear the choruses, the hymns. I love the old hymns that I hear that I grew up with. And I love the contemporary ones. So I, I love it all. I love the Sunday school. I love the whole thing. But just saying this, saying these things, and, and this is going to be the last time you're going to hear this, what we do when we quote this prayer, it's like we're having a hop, skip, and a jump. It's like flying over the Rocky Mountains. You can look down and say, yeah, I know what that peak is. You fly some more. I see that peak. These are peaks, our Father, which art in heaven. That's a peak. But come down here before you come up to the hallowed be thy name and just think about the reality of your Father in heaven. Then you come up to hallowed be thy name, and I gave you that handout. And then, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it's only after we address these theocentric, God-centered things before we bring up, Lord, please feed me, heed me, and lead me away from temptation before we wrap up. Now, I have a handout up here that I wasn't going to hand out. I was just going to leave them up here. I'm going to read you a couple of things on this handout, and uh, this will help you if you want to be victorious in a, a life of uh, overcoming temptation. Jonathan Edwards wrote 70 resolutions, uh, aside from other insightful things that he wrote. But these 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards are very deep and profound. And I just selected 12 of them, just on one side of a piece of paper. And I'm just going to read you a couple of these to give you a sample of what's on this page. And if you decide uh, you'd like to have these, well, there's enough of these, I think, for everyone here, if you want to just come up and grab one after the class is over. But th this is the type of things that Jonathan Edwards resolved in his heart and said, this is how I'm going to govern my life. I'm not going to allow the outer stimuli to govern me. I'm going to take the initiative, and I'm going to govern it. And, and you can do that if you want to. We can do it in Jesus' name. All you have to do is pray, Lord, help me, and he'll be right there to help you. Just let me read you a couple of these things. I found them very, very helpful. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Now think about that. You got a problem with something? Some temptation, some nagging thing that keeps on coming at you? Well, how about if you read that and you think about that? I'm resolved. I don't want to do anything if this were the last hour of my life. You want to be caught doing something if this is the last hour of your life? Just something to think about. Resolved. Here's another one. This is number 17. The one that I just read was number 7. And these are numbered here. Like I said, I, I just went through because I have all 70 of them. And by the way, you can pull up all 70 of these just by Googling Jonathan Edwards' 70 resolutions. Amazing what we can find in Google. I mean, you know, you could talk to your phone right now and have it in front of you and point zero zero tenths of a second, you know, however fast it's able to come up. Listen to this one, number 17. Resolved that I will live so as I wish I had done when I come to die. Just common sense. Here's number 19. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. So these things, and there's, uh, like I said, there's eight or nine others, things like this, which just help to realign our thinking and help us to get our thinking straight in a way that would uh, just get our trajectory of what we're thinking and how we think on different things rather than allowing the outer filthy stimuli that's in the world that we live to be governing us and pushing us around. We don't have to do that. So, temptation comes all the time. The devil doesn't give up, and he's not going to give up on us until we're in the presence of the king. You can uh, count on that.
And James tells us, we know what James says in chapter 1, verse 13, the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. So when people say, why do I have this? It's inside of you, it's inside of me. You know, the devil doesn't have to bring us anything from the outside, he just uses what's already in you. I want it, I need it. <laughs> have you ever heard people say that it's a, a, a phrase that people use, and by the way, we're very, very skilled at justifying what we want. And there's a phrase that I've heard people say for the last couple of years, and it's usually when they're justifying something you're not supposed to be doing, and they'll say, well, the heart wants what the heart wants. As if, oh, well, if the heart wants it, give it whatever it wants. And that's, uh, that's something that people say to justify what they want to do. Yeah, we know the heart wants what the heart wants. That's your problem. It's your filthy heart. It's what's in there that's causing you to want the wrong things. We should pray, Lord, help me to want what you want me to want. I'm trying to think of I, I, Adrian Rogers, I think. I might have quoted this a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, the Lord wants to give us everything that we want if we were only smart enough to ask for the right things. And, and the thing is, because our hearts are deceitfully wicked, Jeremiah is the one who said that, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I mean, he asked one of the great rhetorical questions. We don't even know how bad our hearts are. And don't think just sitting on some shrink's couch is going to straighten you out. All they're going to do is give you a reason. Oh, well, this is, you know, it's your mother's fault. You know, she, she didn't do this, or your, your, your father didn't do this, or you were dropped when you were a baby, or, you know, some other thing. You know, we're always trying to blame somebody else for what happened to us, and that's why we are when the problem rests with us. It's not my brother, nor my sister, but it's me, dear Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So, if you feel attacked, like we often do feel attacked, uh, the remedy is found with what we think about and what we make ourselves think about. For instance, one of the great verses, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. I love that verse, because we're living in a world where there's not perfect peace. I mean, I was doing okay till I watched the news this morning. <laughs> and I'm not in peace anymore, <laughs> but I have to... Concentrate on that first line, our Father in heaven. He's not nervous about anything. He's not worried about what they're going to do in the Congress or the Senate. You know, you know, there's one thing that I think we should mention, that as Christians, as American Christians in this 21st century, we have the idea sometimes that the kingdom of God somehow has something to do with our great nation. And uh, I don't think that we could really make that argument that uh, God's kingdom coming and His will being done is dependent on what our government does. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> the Lord doesn't need Congress or the Senate to have His will be accomplished. It's going to happen whether people are for it or against it. And uh, our mind should be focused on what God wants us to be thinking about, whose mind is stayed on Him anchored to him. So there's just a, a couple of common sense helpful habits uh, to help you. And I'm just going to zip through these quick because we're winding it down. We'll be closing, we'll be closing soon. Uh, common sense helpful habits. Avoid consuming things of the world. We all know what they are and we can't plead ignorance. Don't feed the beast. Feed on things that will give you a, a godly atmosphere in your heart and in your soul. You know, don't feed on the wrong stuff. 
If there's a, a TV show and there's something that says, man, that just, that just gets me going, cut it off! Starve it out! If you don't starve it out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually dominate you. Read Scripture consistently. Every day you should feed on some Scripture. Spend time with God in secret. In everything, give thanks. Now, this is just something that we take for granted all the time. But, uh, and I've heard people even say, well, how can you give thanks for everything? I've got this, i got that, i got this problem. I think the Lord really revealed something to me a couple of months ago. Where we live outside of town in Lytle, we're right off of I-35. And uh, whenever there's a big wreck on I-35 South, whether it's down Divine or Pearsall, the life flight helicopters, the, the straight beeline from the medical center down to I-35 South flies right over our house. So very often, we'll, you know, we'll hear the chopper, that loud reverberation you could hear. I mean, you, know, you could feel the percussion in the air. So we know there's a chopper, and I'll look up, and I'll be able to tell that it's a, a life flight. And I had this revelation. I thought it was a revelation once. I thought to myself, and, and this has to do with the point of in all things giving thanks. I looked up at that life flight, and I said to myself, man, am I glad I'm not in that thing. I was thankful for that. But then I got to thinking, if I was just a guy that was in the car wreck down on I-35 in Pearsall, and I was in that thing, I'd be saying, boy, I thank God that I'm in this thing. Because there's no quicker way to get to the medical center and adequate medical care than you're in one of those choppers. You know, so that, for me, I, I'm kind of simple-minded, and I just thought, gee, it, 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 kind of an obvious thing. But it's one of those ways that we could give thanks in all things. I mean, I thank God because I didn't have to be in it, but if I was in it, I'd be thanking God that I was in it. So... Do that what you want. Sing praises often. You know, we sometimes relegate our praise and worship time to a formal setting in church. But, uh, you know, you could praise the Lord anytime you want. And if you do that, you will find this incredible sense of victory and overcoming. And we're talking about not being led into temptation. Again, quoting John Calvin's translation that we may not be led into temptation, deliver us from the evil or the evil one. And this is John Chrysostom who... Uh, and by the way, there's something in, in, in that, the Greek wording there that, uh, you know, it could be either generic, not deliver us from evil, or it could be specific, deliver us from the evil one. Either way, we know who's responsible and we know who we're praying uh, deliverance from. But one of the ways we do this is to sing praises. Let's say you're going through something and you say, Lord, I want to change my thinking from what the outer stimulus in this world is laying on me and I want to think about something else. Why don't you just... Start singing a, a chorus of praise. Something that you know. <clears throat> a favorite chorus. Jesus, we love you, we worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. And you could sing it or you could say it. Either way, but you're consciously meditating on praising the Lord. You know that chorus that we sing in the traditional service, the Gloria Patri? You know? Man, when that J hits that organ, I feel like... It's like the gates of heaven are opening up. Glory to the Father and to the Son. Whoa, it's so glorious. I love it. You say, man, what are you, a freak? Yeah, I am. I want to see him. I want to see him in all of his exalted glory. And I get a piece of that every time I come to church. Man, are you getting carried away? <laughs> yeah, and I hope it gets worse. <laughs> Actually, I hope it gets better. You know, just uh, these choruses of praise. The, you know, I'm never molested by the devil when I'm singing that chorus. 
Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen and amen. Man, I feel victory. I won't go out and do devil hunting. <laughs> so just a little something like that to recalibrate your thinking, whether it's a, a chorus that you have in church or maybe it's a, you know, a, a, an old hymn that you remember from your childhood. I was fortunate, like many of you, to grow up in church. So I have things in my memory way back that, uh, you know, when you hear a hymn, an old hymn that you heard, whether it's Great Is Thy Faithfulness, that's one of my favorites, you know, just say the words of that chorus, or the hymn to yourself. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. There goes your temptation. It'll be gone for a while. It'll come back, but you can pray it again, sing something else. You know, another thing that'll work that'll be very helpful for us when we're being molested by the devil is to pray for others. Uh, why it is, you know, we can always pray for ourselves, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, it's me, it's me. And yeah, it is you, but there's, there's also this therapeutic benefit of just praying for someone else. I remember when I was in seminary and I was doing six hours of Hebrew over summer school. I'd never recommend that for anybody. I mean, it should be spread out over two full semesters. And I was paralyzed with fear. And there was a guy from Africa who was becoming a close friend of mine. Turned out to be one of the closest friends that uh, I had in seminary. And uh, English was his fourth language, so he really couldn't speak English that well. And now he's learning Hebrew, and he had to go through the same uh, six hours in, in over 10 weeks. And uh, rather than feeling sorry for myself, as paralyzed with fear as I was, I thought, man, what must this guy be feeling? And I started praying for him. And as I started to pray for him, I ended up getting the Hebrew so well, I was able to help him. And we both aced the course. But that probably wouldn't happen <clears throat> if all I did was just concentrate on me, because I was paralyzed. And oh, boy, you talk about wanting to quit. But I couldn't quit. I mean, I had people from my church that were helping me to go, and I was almost through, and I had to get through this foreign language, and it was, uh, and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I did it when I did it, but I'm glad I did because of the exposure to the Hebrew language and Greek and all the benefits that that has. So, a uh, couple of other things. Spend time with believers who support your battles. You know, you can call someone up and say, hey, brother, sister, you know, let me tell you what I'm going through, and, you know, Pray with them. Take short breaks to focus on God and do all things as unto the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 and 20. So, you know, people say, how come I have to go through this temptation? Why is temptation? Temptation actually works for our benefit. And one illustration in closing that may help. There was a, a, some guys who decided to go into the catfish farming business in the Mississippi Delta years ago. They hollowed out the big old things the next time the river would flood, it would fill up. So they had this place, and they started raising catfish. And they'd feed them, and these catfish were just getting fat and happy. And they noticed that they were getting too fat and too happy. And they got flabby to where the catfish meat wasn't as good as it could be. And they didn't know what they were going to do to improve the quality of their catfish meat. <clears throat> Until they figured out, they put a barracuda in the catfish tank with them. And that one barracuda kept all these catfish swimming around and alert, and all of a sudden they were healthier, their meat was better, they turned out making better food for the reason why they were, and it was because they were kept on their toes because of the adversary that was in the tank with them. 
And we may not want to say, man, I, you know, why do I have to put up with this nagging thing? But doesn't it keep you praying more when you feel like there's always a devil after you? And there is a devil after you. He wants to trip up Jim Carson more than anybody else. Because if he trips him up, well, he's going to mess up everybody else in his family. And everyone's going to say, well, Carson can't do it. I guess I can't do it. And the same goes for every one of us. I'm just picking on him because I love him. He's my buddy. But the same goes for every one of us. People are watching you. You might be the only Bible that uh, some people read. So here's the deal. And remember this. You don't have to give in if you don't want to. You know? Remember Flip Wilson? All of us here are old enough to remember Flip Wilson from 40 years ago. You remember that stupid lame thing? Well, the devil made me do it. People love to just blame their sin and their transgression on someone else. And no, the devil didn't make you do it. He just dangled something in front of you. And he said, you want this, don't you? And it was our own heart that said, yeah, I do. And that's your problem. But you don't have to give in if you don't want to. If you just say this one line, and like I said, you don't have to pray the whole prayer, but just say, oh, Lord, that I may not be led into temptation, deliver me from evil. And that help will be right there. And you can have it. That's, oh, it, just in closing, uh, and this is the end. It brings us right back to where we started. For thine is the kingdom, and actually a, a literal translation, because of you is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So it just brings us right back around to where it ought to be. God-centered. Our little three menial requests are in the middle, but most of it is about our Heavenly Father. And concentrating on Him and His will and His kingdom coming, man, that's where the victory is. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that our using this prayer, this framework, this topical index that you've given us, Lord, is going to be fruitful in giving us the victory and keeping our minds on your will your commandments, your desire for us, Lord, and what you want us to be and how you want to grow us into the disciples you will have us to be. And Lord, help us to always concentrate on you and your will and always use the victory through your Holy Spirit that's available to us all the time. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That concludes our study. And may the Lord bless you.